What's up, comic book fans? Pete here from Comic Books Transformed, where we talk about all of your favorite comics that are converted into streaming shows, movies, and more. I've got my good friend over there, Mr. Brian Corshair. Brian, are you ready to talk about She-Hulk and the Sandman? Yes, I am, Pete. <laughs> awesome, awesome. I usually ask you this question when we have like a twofer. Is there one that you are more excited to talk about than the other? Uh, I'm going to say Sandman. Um, and I, I have to preface that by I, I am a long-time comic fan that has never read Sandman. Uh, I, I'm about two issues into it now, and I've watched three episodes of the show. So um doesn't give me much much credibility here, but I'll, I'll do my best. Yeah, I'm very interested in the show, and I'm, 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 I can't wait to watch more, honestly. Yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. Okay, well then let's explain to everybody that we are covering She-Hulk Attorney at Law, Episode 2, and then we are going on to Sandman, uh, Episodes 1, 2, and 3. We understand that Netflix dumps all the shows at once, but uh, we like to take our time and just talk about individual episodes. So um, we're doing She-Hulk first because we always cover the MCU Disney shows first. And tonight we are talking about the episode entitled Superhuman Law. Uh, so, Brian, did you like this episode as much as the previous episode? Did you like it more? Did you like it less? What's the dealio? Um, I would say it was a little lesser than the first episode. I enjoyed the first episode more. Uh, I, I, It's definitely still entertaining. Um, I didn't laugh as much as I did in the first episode, I'd say. Um, yeah. I, I think it – but it was more of a setup y episode. You know, not every episode can be um, – like a you know nonstop action or laugh fest or whatever you know so um uh, I, I I definitely think it picked up more in the the second half of the episode though um and uh, and they the, you know there's a couple interesting developments in the, the the back half of the show as well yeah yeah I completely agree with you I think that the first half of the episode was kind of reminded me of what I didn't like about the first episode and just as a reminder to people like. The issues that I had with the previous episode was I felt like some of the jokes were sort of like low-hanging fruit jokes, or it's kind of like, oh, this is the obvious joke you're going to make. I also felt like in that first episode, there was a lot of like, oh, all men are misogynistic, or, you know, all men are jerks, and women are nice, but like, men are the problem. And I just want to make sure that we understand, like, I'm not one of these kind of trolly guys that are just mad at the show because it is a show about a female character. I, I think that I can still criticize the show, um, you know, regardless if it's about a woman or a man, right? So yeah, I, um, I think I, I was a little more. Uh, I, I'm a little more of your opinion in this uh, this time around than I was last time. Um, you know, I was kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt, um, but you're right. They're they're taking some some very very generic males are bad stereotypes and flooding the show here to to. Uh, for whatever effect that gives. Um, yeah. Like right in the very beginning, uh, Jennifer Walters goes into this bar. I'm assuming it's like a lawyer bar. And um, they're celebrating because, um, you know, she's kind of come out of She-Hulk and it's a big deal. However, she loses her job, right? And um, while they're celebrating, this guy who was on the uh, opposite team, the prosecution's team, comes up to her and says some kind of snippy, kind of condescending things to her. And then when he's done, he's like, oh, there's a hot chick over there. I'm going to go talk to it. Like he says it as opposed to her. That's supposed to be the joke. I, 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 the... I did sort of laugh at that a tiny little bit. Oh, um, yeah. Um, you know, I, I can take something like, like that as like a one-off sort of thing. That's kind of funny. So this is one guy. I mean, and, and he was actually on her team, not on the opposing side. He's from oh. her law firm too. So, um, Wow. Yeah, uh, but you know she's she's walking through the office and it's like the boys' club lawyers and then there's you know not a female in sight, um, and I understand that there's, there's probably are law firms that are like that. I, I have no experience with law firms, but um, it, it is very not yet. Stereotypical. What? Not yet. You might have some experience with law firms soon. Being on this show, oh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's the case. Like you know. Um, right in the very beginning, there's sort of like these little news flashes. There's different reporters talking, and one guy on the street's getting interviewed, and he's like, "She was like a Hulk chick, and she was fit, or something like that." He said too, you know. And, and then and he's he, like, and "Oh, she Hulk." And the guy says, "She Hulk." He's like, "Exactly." Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yes, I I do feel they're going hard at bat with the the background characters as dumb generic males. Um, it's not bothering me too much. 
I'm not really going to lose sleep about it. I still like the show. Um, I, I'm, I'm still mostly fixated on uh, Tatiana Maslany's performance here. I, I still find her incredibly charming in this role. So um, that's ca- kind of carrying the show for me still. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I said in our notes that basically once they moved on to the second half, kind of like what you were just saying, um, the show really picked up for me. Like essentially once we figure out that she is going to go work for another law firm and that she's going to be representing superheroes, the show got a lot more interesting. Um, I had said this in our previous episode that she was so confident in episode one. She was like doing everything the Hulk could do, but better, right? And so like, oh, I got this covered. So you would think that the immediate reaction would be that she would fail or that she would like lose control and Hulk out in the courtroom. Well, now we can actually see that it's not that she fails and Hulks out, but it's that she just is automatically just seen as a superhero now and as she Hulk and they don't appreciate her human side. And so I I think that that's actually a really interesting dynamic. And I, I don't even know if that has ever happened in the comics, you know? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I, I'm not sure either, but yes, I, I do agree. It, it is an interesting dynamic. Um, you know, it's, she doesn't want to be a superior. She wants to be a lawyer and the world's not letting her be a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Until, until, uh, her, the, the, the opposing, uh, side on the court case, she, she did lose offers her a job. Yeah. And, and, and you know, it's funny. Like, I think I've, I've probably read hundreds of comics with She-Hulk in it. And maybe in those hundreds of comics, like she's been Jennifer Walters like 10 times, you know? Yeah. Uh, I would say that you normally don't often, you don't, you don't awfully, uh, sorry. You don't often see her as Jen. Yes. Um, yeah. It's pretty rare. And um, yeah. <laughs> and, and so, you know, there are jokes that do land. I, I want to talk about one last joke that I didn't like. And it's still in that beginning part that I didn't like that much. She goes to see her family, which I've never seen anyone in She-Hulk's family in the comics besides Bruce. So it's kind of cool to see that, you know, she has her own parents and, you know, cousins and stuff too, besides Bruce. Um, but then at the dinner table, her one cousin is like, you got fired, like right away. And I just thought, you know, that's too easy and dumb, you know? Yeah, um, the, the family did feel a little um, typical sitcom-y, kind of overbearing parents, uh, you know, but one's a little more... Um, one's a little more understanding than the other, I suppose, you know, but yeah, yeah, it it wasn't like horrible, but it wasn't great either. It was just kind of there, um, you know, take it. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know what, like it kind of turned around, you know, they had a good man and it, the dad, he was kind of aloof in the beginning, but then uh, the dad was played by the guy from perfect strangers. You watched that, right? No, that's who it was. Wait, 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 wait. Not Balky. Not Balky. The other one. Cousin Larry Appleton. Cousin Larry, that's right, that's right, that's right. Oh my, I knew he looked familiar. Oh man, I should have picked up on that. Yeah, he. That's the second time he's shown up. I saw him. He was in Succession uh, last season too, and I was real happy. To see okay, him or two seasons ago. But um, anyway, so after that scene, we do finally get her working with the uh, law firm, which is uh, GLKH. Oh, look how good you are. Oh, yes, I'm, yeah. I'm reading. I'm reading your notes. I didn't remember that. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay, okay. Well, Holden Holloway is her uh, boss there, her new boss. And he basically says to her, you know, you can work here, but you have to always be She-Hulk when you're here. You have to always be She-Hulk in the courtroom. And it's this concession that she has to make basically to be a lawyer because no one else is going to hire her. And uh, I actually like that Holden Holloway character. I don't know if he's probably from the comics, but he kind of makes this comment of like, you know, I, I never joke around. And he's just like super serious. And I appreciated that joke. Yes. Uh, yeah. The, 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 the dry, dry witted straight man is, is always a good addition to comedy shows. So yeah. Much like cousin Larry. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The straight man. Yes, exactly. So let me ask you this. What, what do you think about having the abomination be her first client? Do you like that? Uh, yeah, why not? I, I think it sets up a good conflict of interest, like much like she says initially. Um, mm-hmm. I really liked the scene where they met. Um, it's great to see Tim Roth on TV again. Um, I I used to watch uh, that show Lie to Me on Fox. Uh, I, I did like that show a lot. But um, it was surprising to see him more kind of kinder and aloof. And I uh, obviously the, the, the stinger at the end there is that he 
Um, you know, they're tying this in to be right around the same time as Shang-Chi. Right. Uh, and there's footage of him in the cage fight with uh, with Wong. So I'm really curious to know more about that now. I'm, I'm assuming they will be explaining this. And um, I'm also curious about this Seven Soulmates thing. And I'm assuming that's that uh, the, those scenes that they're uh, that they showed in the previews with where you see uh, Matador and then the human bull or whatever the heck they were and other villain villainy superhero kind of people sitting around a yeah. circle with those yeah. like an AA or something like that. I'm assuming that's that. Okay, that's interesting. You know, because with this show, I've kind of taken a different approach than the other MCU shows. I, I don't treat it like, oh, this is going to tie into this, and this is. I, I just kind of. I've been treating it like they've been marketing it, like it's this sort of half-hour Ally McBeal sitcom-y kind of show, and I've just like left it at that. But when you say that they could like lead to something more, that automatically makes it more appealing to me. All of a sudden, yes, yeah, I think so. And so then, you think uh, like Frogman is one of those seven? I don't know if Frogman. I feel like he's going to be separate from that. But uh, okay. I, it was definitely you remember the footage when we were trying to figure out who it was, and then. You told me it was the uh, Matador and then the, the man bull or human. Oh, God, I can't remember what his name was. Yes. I, I guarantee that that's the seven people. And I'm curious to hear more about that. Um, the other big connection, too, was that we do see Bruce Banner again. And uh, at the very end of the phone call they have together, um, we see him flying off to Sakaar. So which yes. where my brain immediately goes, I believe I mentioned this last week, is uh, uh, Planet Hulk. And yes. the beginning of Planet Hulk? Oh, no, no, no. Planet Hulk already happened. World War Hulk. And we're going to see Scar. Um, I don't know how they're going to rectify it because uh, World War Hulk was Hulk coming back after Planet Hulk and being pissed off at everybody. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what, what that setup is. And now at this point, I'm kind of thinking that was the last we're going to see of Banner for this show. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um I thought about this a bit after I watched it uh, today, too. He So he goes to Sakaar, and, um, or I mean, we assume he goes to Sakaar, and it's because someone contacted him. I think, like, as far as it goes, Universal still owns the rights to Hulk movies, or they share rights with Marvel. And so that's why we don't really have a whole series of Hulk movies yes. in the MCU. And so um, I was thinking... If they did make a World War Hulk movie, it could essentially be an Avengers movie or it could be like a Young Avengers movie. It could essentially be a team movie, right? Where they're like, they need to bring together a team of heroes to fight Hulk. And actually it could be like, it could be this bittersweet kind of movie where he's somehow back to this sort of raging, angry Hulk and he's destroying Earth and they have to take him out. And maybe they do actually like kill Hulk, you know? That could be an angle they could take. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Uh, you know, he just comes back, and he's not the same. He's not he's not Smart Hulk anymore. And, you yeah. know, part of it's figuring out why. Yeah. I mean, Hulk, Bruce Banner did die in the comics, and then, you know, he eventually did come back as Immortal Hulk. But Bruce died uh, during the whole Civil War II crossover, where yes. um, there was this fear that he might be this – rage monster like and uh hawkeye is the one that shot him in the head with an arrow so you know maybe they'll bring yes. jeremy renner back for that i mean who knows yeah that would be um i i hope they would they would do something like that there and i hope that that would lead to a mortal hulk that would be fantastic yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. A, that more horror take on hulk because we have not seen that in live action i'm obviously because it's a very it's a much newer concept i think uh you know yeah so. Yeah, but I mean, there's so much stuff you could do with the Hulk, and they, they've barely scratched the surface in the movies. So, you know, yeah. I, I'm I'm down for all that, honestly. Yeah. So, uh, let me see. I'm just trying to think what else I put on here. Oh, okay, so Titania, she wasn't in the episode at all, and yet, um, what's her face? Jamil, uh, Jamil, they have like this viral video of her putting up posters. Did you see that video? I haven't yet, no. Okay. Yeah, there's, there's posters, obviously, like in New York of she-hulk attorney at law and so she was kind of dressed up like titania a little a little bit and she was yeah. going up and like putting posters over it of titania you know <laughs> so that's kind of cool yeah but, uh, uh, yeah she was curiously absent i um 
yeah, I, I, I guess they said that she was trying to escape from some traffic tickets, and that's why she was there. Um, so uh, I don't know if she'll be back or not. I, I hope I hope so. I mean, um, it would be interesting. I mean, I mean that, that's a. I mean, she, she's she's a she's a Hulk villain. I mean, why not have her back? I, I'm curious to see what the overall villain will be of this show. Honestly, because I'm not really sure they even will have a villain necessarily. Um, maybe it'll just be that it's just some kind of moral choice, you know, where she's representing these, uh, these superhero cases, but they, they kind of, you know, even though this one seems to be going her way initially, you know, maybe there's going to be a point where she's, it's a line she won't cross and she's going to have to quit or do something like that by the end and make some kind of choice. Um, and that's the conflict. Yeah. It, it does not feel like a show that has like an overarching main bad guy story it doesn't feel yeah. like that at all and so i wouldn't be surprised if there isn't anything like that um i think that yeah ultimately she'll kind of come to terms with being she hulk the lawyer um if anything maybe this leads into um iron because i know that the hood is the bad guy of Ironheart, right uh, i think i've heard that yeah yeah and so the hood just for people that don't know the hood he um he, he was a character actually created by Brian K. Vaughn. We talked about Brian K. Vaughn last two episodes. Um, he created the hood where I think he's connected to Dormammu and he has this hood and he's just basically a thug who yep. finds this hood that gives him like supernatural powers. And Bendis like really used him a lot. Like Brian K. Vaughn wrote the miniseries, but then Bendis just like used him like a ton in the Avengers. And he had his own little kind of cabal at one point. That he was a part of and like maybe i could see like this group of supervillains that you're talking about like this kind of cheesy group maybe eventually like turning to him for guidance or like you know just like him kind or of becoming a presence crew. on this show yeah so I see, maybe that could be the wrecking crew because we you know we've seen them in the uh in the previews as well oh yeah 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 that'd be awesome i mean th there's so much you could do with street level marvel stuff and i i do feel like in phase four, they're, they're committing to street level stuff. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. So, uh, was there anything else that you had to say about She-Hulk episode two? Just two little notice things. I noticed, uh, one, right. one of the bar scenes, you actually do see them watching Allie me feel. Oh, okay. That's, that's good. And, uh, okay. There was a point where the point and the phone conversation between Janet and Bruce, uh, he mentions, Bruce says something to the effect of like, oh, back then I was a totally different person. Do you think that was a nod? I mean, I kind of laughed. I'm like, oh, that was because I was at Norton. And I don't know. I, I thought that was kind of funny. I, I hope they intended that joke to mean that. Yeah. I'm going to give him credit and say that they did. I didn't even think of that. That's, that's pretty clever. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, man. Well, I'm enjoying the show, though. I, I don't dislike it. Um, I think if they just kind of stay in line with what they did for the second half of the episode... I think I'm going to dig the rest of the uh, seven episodes that remain. So Hopefully. Yes, sir. All right. So now let's switch universes. We're going over to the DC universe uh, because Sandman, before he became like the sort of the flagship Vertigo title, Sandman was set in the DC universe. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit in our discussion today. But we are talking about episodes one, two, and three of the Netflix show. Uh, so Brian, did you know about that creative team before I shared the notes? Uh, the creative team of, of who wrote the show? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I knew, um, I, I knew Neil Gaiman was involved obviously. And I, I kept, I did keep saying Alan Heinberg's name, uh, in the credits, but, uh, I actually didn't notice David Goyer at all, oddly. Yeah. I mean, you know, my extensive research, who knows, I might actually be horrible at this and, you know, I, I get a lot of it from Wikipedia. It's definitely not the most accurate source but yeah they said that neil gaiman david goyer and alan heinberg were the main showrunners basically of the show and um you know david goyer probably the, the you know people recognize his name i think if they are into comic book media he did all the blade movies wrote all of them he directed blade trinity which is kind of mm. um he, he was one of the writers on man of steel he wrote like on all the dark knight movies or i think maybe not the third one but he wrote the first two yeah um and then uh, he's written for that the story for the Hellraiser reboot that's coming on Hulu. And there's also a Masters of the Universe live action movie. And he 
Bro, oh, that's one of those that's never coming out though. <laughs> hey, you said that about Black Adam, man. So yeah, I did, but and then and then my next my my next two uh, on my list of movies that'll never actually come out are Masters of the Universe and Thundercats. They're never coming out. Okay. Well, let me ask you about this. Did you did you see the tweet today where they were saying that Warner Brothers can only afford to put out two movies for the rest of the year? Did you see that? No. I mean, I don't know if it's complete bullshit, you know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of painting myself as this sort of uh, <laughs> inaccurate, you know, source of information here. But I saw a tweet today. It seemed like a reputable source. And they are basically saying that there's this one movie called, um, like, it's like Goodbye, My Darling or something like that. It's it's directed by, um, what's her face? That, that um, She was in Tron Legacy and... Olivia, Olivia Wilde movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that thriller that she made that has Florence Pugh in it. And Black Adam are both put out by uh, Warner Brothers, and they're saying that those are the only two movies that Warner Brothers can afford to release uh, for the rest That's of the year. Interesting. I mean, that kind. Of, I mean, it could be that people are just kind of reaching to to explain why they cancel so many things. Um, yeah. The the tax write off thing seems kind of suspect. Still, uh, it seems like such a loss. Like it doesn't seem like you can get that much back as a tax write off because that's all they've spent. Like it just doesn't seem logical. Um, so maybe that's that's the reason why. Um, you, you know they're uh, they're they're going hard right now trying to keep subscribers on HBO Max. I know there's like some deal where you can pre buy a year for forty percent off. I think you have to be a new customer though, which kind of stinks. Uh, <laughs> what's my tool? Um, yeah. and, you know they, they did just push back uh, Shazam and Aquaman. Uh, to further into next year, I think uh, Aquaman's gonna be next Christmas uh, or holiday, and I I don't remember when Shazam is. It's later in the it's it's mid year I think. Shazam's like March I think. Is it March? Uh, or was yeah. it March? And now it's further. No, Aquaman was March. They pushed that to Christmas, and then Shazam is March now. Well, when was Shazam supposed to come out? That wasn't this year. Yes, it was it supposed was? to be Black Adam, and they, they were gonna have two movies: Black Adam and Shazam. Uh, okay so i mean maybe maybe that's the case yeah yeah so i mean i don't know if we ever discussed this in any of our previous episodes but the guy that took over warner brothers he's the guy that turned discovery into all those kind of cheesy reality, reality shows yeah. and i i saw yet another thing today another article where they were saying that like he's essentially like getting rid of diversity and trying to appease to the or appeal to the middle america and so that that does kind of worry me uh dc and, and marvel for the most part the two fr um gigantic franchises uh you know they, they've kind of almost been opposites a lot in the past decade or two and um you know obviously like disney and stuff they kind of get painted as this kind of woke thing right like that's the big stigma of disney and then, like, so much of DC seems to be wrapped up in this sort of Snyderverse bullshit. And so I, I, I do worry. I don't want them to sort of make kind of bland, generic movies since they have such interesting characters of all different ethnicities, genders, you know. Like, I don't want them to kind of mainstream DC as much as possible. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think they um, – did they uh, – there was Blue Beetle and there was another movie. I don't think they're outright canceled yet, though. Yeah, so I don't think Blue Beetle's canceled. And I would be actually really upset if they canceled that because um, I actually love the actor that is going to play Jaime Reyes, you know? Um, oh, is that the guy saying that's going to be the Transformers? Uh, is it Anthony Ramos or no? No, no, it's this guy that um, is the main character in um, – or one of the main characters in Cobra Kai. Okay. Oh, yes. Okay, I knew that. Um, yeah. And is the other movie Supergirl? The Supergirl is going to be in Flashpoint or Flash? Was yeah, I don't. In Flash, yeah, Supergirl is going to be in Flashpoint. Yeah, but uh, is that the other movie that I think they said that wasn't necessarily canceled yet? Yeah, well, the Flash okay. is definitely not canceled. Well, no, no, no. The Supergirl. This is going to be a Supergirl movie featuring that Supergirl from Flash. Oh, I thought that, I maybe that was the other movie. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, it, it, everything's so in flux and stuff, and um. I, it's kind of funny because I was going to use that as a segue because this Netflix show, this Netflix Sandman show, it's, it's real interesting because, like, first of all, Netflix is notorious for canceling shows right after that first season. And, um, you know, there's just the idea of 
they approve something, they make it, and then they just stop making it. So it's like, are they going to make more of this? And then on the other side of that, there's a lot of like gender swapping for this. There's, there's, I guess they call it race swapping or whatever it is for this too. In some cases, like characters are both gender swapped and race swapped or whatever. And honestly, I have no complaints about any of it. Like they have John Constantine, by the way, that's, that's the way you call the Hellblazer version of the character is Constantine. Um, and it's, it's a woman and I'm totally okay with that. See, I, I have some words on this. <clears throat> Go ahead. Um, I know this is getting ahead of ourselves because we're, um, you know, this is, that's like a third episode there, but whatever. Um, yeah. I think Jenna Coleman is absolutely fantastic as Joanna. Yes. Uh, I think yes. she's you know, perfectly embodying a female John Constantine, a Constantine. Um, at the same time though, I wasn't expecting it. I knew she was cast as it, but I thought I didn't think they were literally making her take the place of, of John. I thought it was just going to be, they were going to use this character instead in some other way. So it kind of blindsided me. And it, like the second I saw Astra, I'm like, wait a second. And it, it, it kind of bothers me a little bit because I do love John Constantine and Constantine. God damn it. Just, just um, call whatever you're comfortable calling him. It's all. I'm gonna say Constantine because uh, that's that's what every time I've read yeah. it in my head I've said it like that, and that's every time I've heard it I've heard it like that prior to yeah. this episode. Um, I just love the character, and I just want more of it. You know, um, I know they've taken two swipes at it with with live action, um, to mixed results, but yeah. I I don't know. I, I just want more of that character. And I, I don't, not that I don't want this character necessarily, but, um, you know, it was not, it would have been nice. It would have been nice to see, it, it would like, imagine it was John Constantine in here. Wouldn't that have been more exciting potentially to see that, like to connect it? Because you're right, this, this, the original, the comic is connected to the DC universe. I mean, you know, when he's looking for his tools, they say the Justice League has the Ruby, you know, they, they so they show Batman and Green Lantern. Uh, yep. I think it was Batman Green Lantern. Um, yes. So it, it would have been nice to have uh, have more of John, but um, like I said, John is pretty great, honestly. Yeah. Uh, she's playing the and and uh, Jenna Coleman's playing the role very well, I think. But um, yeah, it, it's a mixed bag for me. It, so it, it's just so funny to me because, like, you know, we're talking about Sandman, but boy, are we going really into Constantine right now, right? And the yeah. thing is, is that the Hellblazer comic. Is, is so very like intimate to me. I love that comic so much. And it's one of those things that it feels like not everyone has their hooks in it. It's like, I can kind of appreciate it. And it's like my thing. And it's, you know, yeah, there's a Constantine movie that's like Keanu Reeves and many people have seen it. Um, but I still feel like they don't know that Constantine comic from Vertigo. And yeah. um, it, it sounds like you've read, like, have you read a, a bunch of trades of it or? Yeah, I, I have a bunch of trades. I have not read all of them. I read some. Uh, I don't exactly remember where I left off, but yeah. um, I, I I actually enjoyed the the NBC um, Hellblazer show. Oh no, it was it was Constantine. Constantine. It was called Constantine. Yeah. yeah what's what's I, the actor's I, I name? I enjoyed Matt Ryan's take on the character. I, I get it was more. It was a um, more of a cleaner take on him, I suppose. More colorful, right. I suppose. You know, less gritty. Which is surprising because they make everything super gritty all the time and everything else. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe a, a more sanitized version is what I should be saying. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I feel like maybe the show could have gotten closer to the comic version that that we love, you know? Right, right, right. Well, like what I was saying was that like I feel this affinity towards that particular character and that story because it, you really like follow him for like his life and you feel like you're his friend in the comic and, and Constantine, the comic or the Hellblazer comic is so crazy because it's sort of like the cutting the place where writers go to cut their teeth that came in, you know, like Warren Ellis has written it and, and Grant Morrison and, and Garth Ennis and, you know, Mike Carey. So, so many different writers started out. That was like one of their first big gigs was Hellblazer and all the fucking trades are awesome. Like every Hellblazer trade is good. You know, and so, um, and there's a lot of them. Yeah, there's a lot. Of, yeah, yeah. There's like over 200 issues, right? But um, is it three? It, it maybe three. I think it's like 240 something. But um, 
you know, like it would have been cool to have that Matt Ryan version of him that was also in like Legends of Tomorrow, if he was the Constantine in this show. And then you also have that guy that plays Lucifer from like the Fox show. He could play Lucifer in this. Yeah. It's it's just the thing of like, that's the problem with talking about this shit. Is it it just becomes like, well, why can't fucking what, what's the name from Game of Thrones? What's the actress's name? Gwendolyn Christie. Yeah, like what? That's inspired casting. It's a woman and stuff like that. It's like. Yes, that is, you know, Lucifer has no gender. Lucifer is an angel, right? Like, it's fine. But it's, it's just like, you know, it would have been cool to have those versions of the characters in this show and make it kind of feel more like, oh, this is connected to DC, you know? Yeah, especially because Lucifer, uh, the actor who played Lucifer, I, I don't know his name, but he did make an appearance in the, the, the Constantine show. Yeah, yeah, you know, just it would be this fun little nod. I mean, I love Gwendolyn Christie actually a lot, and, and I'm sure yeah. she does an awesome job as Lucifer. I haven't gotten to that episode, but yeah, yeah it's just one of those things. I I don't know the idea of like changing people's gender or or their ethnicity that doesn't bother me outright as long as they do the character justice. But sometimes it's like, okay, this is a very intimate thing. It's not like like everybody fucking loves Superman, right? Everybody loves Batman, but like you know th these characters, I, I've known them a certain way. And that's the way I kind of like him. But with that being said, I'm with you too. And uh, she just did a fucking great job as Constantine. Let's actually talk about Dream, though. If we're gonna talk about yes. Sandman. Um, I think he's great. I, I think you made a point to say that that he looks just like the character, but and he looks um, like this kind of British guy or whatever. But his voice is so like deep, and it's just it's it just sounds right. Um, my wife Kirsten walked in the, while I was watching it, and she's just like. Wow, like that guy looks exactly like the comic, and he sounds like insane. <laughs> um, and yep. she has—I don't think she's read it, uh, much of it, but she did watch a little of the. Um, and maybe she has read something. I don't know. Um, yeah, no, I, I think um, very well cast, especially for um, Dream slash Morpheus so far. Um, yeah, I, I like everybody that they've cast so far. To be honest, uh, I don't have any yeah. issues. The, the casting is is pretty incredible. Tom Sturridge is the guy that plays Morpheus or Dream or whatever, right? And, um, you know, I said this in the notes, but basically, like, when they make him look full-on like the comic book characters, usually because he's, like, looking at something that's reflecting him in a weird way or he's, like, trying to intimidate somebody and he looks like that comic from the, the character from the comic. And obviously the, the Dream that's in the comic is, like, pretty much Neil Gaiman- from that time period like from the 80s yeah. that that's neil gaiman right yeah and so watching him is like this sort of miraculous thing because he's this like young kind of boy looking actor with this incredibly deep voice and his delivery is perfect because it's like cold it's not overly dramatic he's, he says very little but it's like effective what he says and he he kind of captures neil gaiman but like a serious dark Neil Gaiman, it's just like oh yeah, perfect, perfect cast. It's pretty great so far, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I haven't seen Death. I haven't seen any of the other Endless so far. We've only watched three episodes, but uh, that is great. There are so many fucking supporting characters in the first Sandman trade, uh, which I believe is called um, Preludes and Nocturnes. I think is the first one. Yeah, and um, you know, like you have. Fucking Charles Dance is the guy that captures him in the beginning, right? Roderick Bur Burgess. I mean, Charles Dance, just him and anything just makes it better. Yeah. And it's funny, too, because um, I watched the first episode uh, right around when House of the Dragon was premiering. Yeah. Uh, I haven't watched yet. But, you know, opening scene, you see Dream's Castle. There's a dragon on top of it. It's a house. And you see Charles Dance. I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm watching Game of Thrones anyway. Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. I, I don't know when I'm getting around to House of the Dragon because Sherry and I actually just started this other show called The Rehearsal. Have you seen that? I have not. Have you heard of it, though? Uh, I don't think I have, no. Oh, it's, have you ever watched Nathan for You? Uh, I, I uh, some Sometimes. Uh, I know a little bit. Okay. That's another HBO Max thing. It's really good. It's worth checking out. But um, you mentioned the castle. That's one thing I want to give praise to is that there are a lot, a lot of shots in this show that are, like, super comic accurate and they just really capture like the wonder of the comic. Like when they show the realm of the dreaming, it's like, holy shit, that's what it looks like. Especially like the wall to get into the dreaming. 
Yep. Fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Love it. Um, so yeah, let's talk about some of the other actors. They also have um David Thewlis. I didn't even know David Thewlis was in the show. I didn't either. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, I, I know him. Yes. Once again, just another guy, like if he's in something, it's automatically better. Yeah. And so in the comic, I guess you haven't gotten up to the part with him and the Ruby, right? No. Um, um, I forgot her name. What, what's what's his mother's name? Um, it's she's got a weird fucking name. Let me look it up. It's a very old lady sounding name. Like <laughs> right, right, right. Um, oh, I'll find it. But, but you make your point. I'll find her name. Anyway, uh, yeah, she she goes to see him in the in Arkham Asylum of all places in the comic, and uh, you just you briefly meet him, but. Um, you know, in, in the show, we see um, what's her, the mother give up the... Ethel Cripps. Ethel, yes. Yes. Um, we see the mother give up the amulet of protection to him, and then she withers away, and then he escapes. But we don't see that part yet. We just, She just speaks to him from behind the bars at first. Okay. So, obviously, like in the show, he gets out, and he's got the ruby. I'm not spoiling anything from the comic. What happens next with him is a single issue of a comic... That I remember reading it and it just like kind of blew my mind. And um, I'm pretty okay, sure my memory might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that I read Sandman when you and I were working at Walden Books in the mall, in the Staten Island Mall. And, um, you know, I guess we were like 20 maybe or so. So that's, that's 20 years ago reading it. And I remember, right, right. I'm going to be 40 next month, um, you know, for our like 50 subscribers, if you guys want to get a little gift from me. But anyway, <laughs> um, well, what I'm saying though is th- there's there's a little pretentious point I have to make here is that Sandman the comic it, it's like an experience when you're a comic book reader like you kind of mentioned like before like oh I can't believe I haven't read it or whatever like the thing is is that like it's like discovering the Beatles or like Led Zeppelin or something you're like oh this is the thing that everybody talks about and is inspired by and and it's just so fucking good the comic. Yeah, this is um this is one of those comics that you often see in lists of like the best comics or the best comics for people who don't like comics or superheroes. Uh Sandman is always somewhere near the top. So yeah. Um again, like my my shock that I have not read it yet is genuine. Like I'm I'm reading comics for thirty plus years here and I have not read the Sandman, which is crazy. And I own them all too. I've owned them all in comicsology for some time and you know, yeah. Do you want me to fill in your day job and then like you could go read all the trades? Sure. Absolutely. Just fly I mean, out. I have no idea how to fucking do your day job at all, but I'll just pretend. Yeah. And you go read the comics. You don't even need to, to be here any, anywhere near you. You can just do it all from the computer. I'll just give you some links. My password. Perfect. It'll all come crashing down. Awesome. But <laughs> um, speaking of crashing down, here, I, I got my little segues there. So, so Dream is kidnapped by Charles Dance and his order. And they want to essentially bring back Charles Dance's son. They want to capture Death, who's one of the seven Endless, and uh, force Death to bring back his son. And so the first episode is pretty much like the first issue of the comic, right? I haven't read that in a while, but it's pretty much... Yeah, it's it's pretty much one for one for the most part. Yeah. And and so, I mean, that first episode is so great, but really the second episode... I felt like that's where I mean I really enjoyed the first episode, but then the second episode I was like, oh, they're they're going for this. They're not fucking around with this. Like one of my very favorite things in this show so far was when he started to gather materials to like summon the fates. That was so good. I mean, one of my favorite things I think I've seen is when it showed the guy in a dream, like on a horse and carriage, and then like Dream's hand just comes down and scoops up a crossroads behind him. Like imagination it's like i feel like we haven't seen shit like that in a movie or a tv show in a while yeah it was almost like something you'd expect to see when uh in like inception or something like that you know um, yeah. or maybe even dr strange or something like that but yes you're right like i feel like i haven't seen anything high supernatural with that kind of effects behind it I, and i know yeah. there's tv effects in it so it's not like super crazy movie level but it's, it's still really good yeah with um with Sandman, I can't really remember like the mythology so much, but there's kind of the illusion of like that we dream, but he's kind of like the caretaker of our dreams, and he can like take things from the physical world and put it into dreams, and um 
he can like just make things in dreams too. But I've always liked the idea. I, I believe that like our dreams are essentially just like the information that we record while we're awake. And there's so, so much stuff we're processing and we process it while we're asleep. And I just like the idea of like this guy going and like collecting stuff from our dreams to make tailor-made dreams. I think that's so cool. Yeah, it is definitely cool. It's, it's one of those kind of abstract ideas that um, you on paper may not seem that interesting, but um, you know, when they explain it in such detail uh, and, and it just sounds so mysterious and, full of wonder sort of and um yeah. it's it, so far i'm absolutely like hooked on both yeah. show and comic so yeah what what do you think of the the fates the three fates that he meets uh that was pretty cool it, it was pretty close to what the um you know the the, the comic had the comic portrayed them uh, three and one even a lot of the lines were just ripped straight from the from the comic um yeah. you know you had the the young one the middle-aged one and the older kind of more traditional hag um you know like the and the questions like that that conversation was like word for word the comic which is great yeah yeah um they've always talked about making this into a show since or not a show, i'm sorry a movie since like 1991 and now they finally made it into a show and i don't it's it's kind of amazing because i just didn't think they would make it this like close to the source material and as good as it is so far yeah and, i couldn't um, imagine this being made in 91 Oh my um, god! They would have to really dumb down the supernatural elements, I think, and the, the fantastic good. nature of everything. You know? Yeah, yeah. Probably what would happen is like you'd focus on like a human lead character who would encounter dream or something like that, and maybe like they would go find like one of the items that was missing. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um. I've been talking a lot. I think it's because I just fucking love this so much. Like, if we do our thing where we rank our shows, this is gonna be very high for me. But uh, I'm hold my judgment until I see the whole thing. But um, yes, and um, a, a couple of things I want to bring up too. We, we kind of skip into the second episode, but the whole part of the first episode where you know Dream gets captured and people start having issues with sleeping, whether they either they fall asleep and they don't wake up, or they can't sleep, or they're in this kind of like this half state. I had no idea that was based on a real thing. I know. It really happened, and that absolutely blows my mind. Yep. Um, yep. I love things when they take things from history and kind of kind of give it like a comic booky, supernaturally origin. It it's fantastic. Um, really uh, added to the show, uh, in my opinion. And yeah. uh, the other thing too is that you know we're talking about the effects and and uh, of the show and all and how expensive it is. Um, and I, I saw an article about how Neil Gaiman doesn't think that it's it's going to get picked up for a second season because I, know, so I saw that. Um, and so far, I, I hope that's not true. I hope somewhere it does go somewhere else. Um, I don't know if you intended this uh, in your initial intro there, but this is actually a Warner Brothers show too. I mean, obviously, so it yeah. happens to be on Netflix, which is um, interesting to me. Yeah I, yeah, I know exactly. It's not on HBO Max, and I mean, maybe thank God it's not on HBO yeah. Max, right? Yeah, right? That, that might have been a worse fate, uh, which is weird to say considering the the Netflix's track record. Right, right, right. Well, um, I wanted to address what you said about the sleeping sickness thing. Um, one of the things that Neil Gaiman has said in the in interviews about Sandman is that essentially whatever he'd be interested in, he would weave into a story because he could tell whatever story he wanted all the time. Like the, the first trade um, is about like him being imprisoned and, and sort of like picking up the pieces after he's escaped. And then it goes off into these different directions and the other trades and, you know, consequences lead to other things. But it's not like the whole book is about him recovering stolen items and stuff like that. You know, there's just yeah. way more to it. And Neil Gaiman just makes these random stories and he talks about all different things, all different kinds of mythologies and and uh, it's really interesting. That's, I'm assuming that when he was making the Sandman comic, he did think about that particular illness that you were talking about because he thought, oh, this is a great framing material. One thing I wanted to bring up too, and I didn't put this in our notes, is that people might not realize this, but Sandman was a superhero originally. The original version of Sandman is just like the original version of The Flash and the original version of Green Lantern, where the very first version people aren't familiar with because it's the golden age version. And in this case, all three, like Flash, Green Lantern, uh, and Sandman are all in the Justice Society. 
who with Justice side are going to be in Black Adam. And Brian, I know you know all this, and it's probably like, yeah, Pete, shut the fuck up. But just for our viewers, um, the Sandman, the original Sandman is Wesley Dodd, and he had like a gas mask on, and he would like use like sleeping gas to make people go to sleep. And so that gas mask is the inspiration for Dream's helm that he has. Interesting. Uh, yeah, that is ringing more of a bell. Now, I, I did forget about that character before you just mentioned that there. So that, that's um, that was news to me, sort of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everyone's so familiar with like the Silver Age version of every character. And, and in this case with Dream, it's like he's like the Bronze Age or whatever the fuck, you know, the yeah. 80s version of the character. Um, but yeah, he's um, the Sandman is on the same team as the Flash and Green Lantern and, you know, the Adam and all those Justice Society guys. Um, so we talked about episode one, episode two, you want to kind of go into that Hellblazer episode? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So you said that you really liked Jenna Coleman's performance and you liked the fact that it was Constantine. Um, like why did you like her performance? Um, it, 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 it's an interesting take on it. I, I, I feel like she is trying to be that uh more of a the comic version of john um which is a little bit darker they you know they actually show a little bit more of of you know the the origin i think with uh, and the whole summoning what happens to astra um i don't remember ever seeing a hand getting cut off but that was uh um, yeah yeah, it's i think she's just playing it she's playing it well um I guess I can't put it into words. I don't know. I liked it. No, no, no. Um, one of the like definitive character traits of Constantine and even Constantine is because um, I think like the DC version of Constantine is like the one that was around in the New Fifty Two, and he's like on Justice League Dark and stuff. Um, either way, it's that he uses people, yeah, and that he like has his own particular means that he, you know, he, people are means to an end for him. Yeah. Um, and he, and like pretty much everyone around him, especially in the Vertigo Hellblazer comic, like everyone around him has horrible, horrible things happen to them. They have horrible fates. And that's like the first one. That's like the main bad one, um, is that little girl just getting sucked to hell. Yeah. And I just thought it was really gruesome and graphic. And I thought it was really well done. I like that. Like, that's where dream finds her in that nightmare. Cause it's like, that's, of course he's going to find that. Um, what I really liked was she goes to that church and she's with that priest and the priest is sure that someone is possessed. They think it's the uh, princess, like the royalty or whatever. Yes. But it turns out it's the soccer player that she's with. And even the way that like the demon comes out of that soccer player is like full on horror movie. Yeah. Like gross. That, that was, that felt very much right out of Hellblazer comic. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and so, um, you know, just just the fact that sh- that uh, Johanna Constantine made that choice of like, okay, I'm gonna pretend to be the priest, and she's doing the ritual, and then she's like saying the stuff for the exorcism, you know, uh, during the wedding ceremony. I just thought that's like that's pure Constantine, Constantine yep. right there. Love that. Um, and then just even the way that Dream interacts with her is so good because like you know she's worrying about this demon and all this kind of stuff, and then uh, Dream just shows up out of nowhere and he, he starts to help her and and that's a big thing in the comic is that dream is like so cold and so kind of ruthless but then you see that there is like a little bit of kindness in him too yes and you can see that with the with the the, the mercy that um that he he, he essentially helps or, or puts down uh what was her name was it ruth oh um, no. Yeah, Constantine's ex-girlfriend, basically. One of his, yeah. Um, so yeah, he wasn't going to do anything. He was just going to leave her to, to just kind of bleed out, essentially. And, and no, he, he put, puts her out of her misery for a better, for lack of a better word. Yeah. And um, he he shows that mercy too, that kindness too. We didn't even mention Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel are in the second episode, and they're, they're in the Sandman comic throughout. Cain is always murdering Abel throughout the comic. Um, you know, he goes and he takes their original gargoyle, Gregory, and converts it back to dust so he can use it for his power. And then he gives him a new gargoyle later on in the episode. So it's just like little things like that happen throughout the whole comic, you know? 
the interesting thing is that hasn't happened in the comic or it didn't happen that way in the comic. So um, he he takes like a like a contract or something like that for the for the power from them. And he doesn't mm -hmm. take Gregory and Kane gives Abel the the egg for for uh, Irving rather than dream. So I'm oh. kind of curious why they chose to do that that way. But um, maybe maybe something else that happens to Gregory that I don't know yet in the comic. Yeah, maybe. I, I, I Honestly, I don't remember. I, because, like, truly, when I read it, it was like I was 20 years younger, you know? Um, and then, besides that, you know, we didn't really talk about Lucian either. There, there's all these characters that are in the Dreaming, and we're going to meet even more in the show as we go on. But Lucian is sort of like his advisor, his, like, number one person. In the comics, it's like a, a white guy, you know, and he's got, like, kind of pointy ears. Lucian has pointy ears, but it's like a, a British... A black woman and um she's fantastic as lucian she's captured the character there she's yep. obviously caring about dream he has a uh raven because he always has ravens kind of flying around him and taking care of him and his raven tries to save him in that first episode and is killed by roderick burgess's son and so um lucian makes a new raven and it's voiced by Patton oswald yes Patton oswald has to be uh in every comic property ever i guess <laughs> yeah and it's usually just his voice. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. With the exception of like Agents of Shield. <laughs> right, 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 right. Which had like multiple Patton Oswalds. Yes. Uh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, what's his? Is he Matthew? What's his? Matthew. Yes. Matthew. Yeah. And, and so, it, when he talks, it's like, oh yeah, I can picture that. That's what his voice would sound like in the comic, <laughs> you know. And it's interesting because he says that kind of thing of like, I remember being a human and then I died and now I'm this this raven. I have these things. Right. Right. And, and I, that's that's what happens in the comic is there's this kind of blending of like people being alive and, and you know, their memories become real things. And it, I just love all that shit, man. It's so good. Yeah. Um. So did you have anything else to say about episode three? Uh, no, I think I'm, I'm good here. But I, I'm as always, I'm excited to watch more. Shit. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm so glad Every you chose to watch this with me. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to do like three episodes per show, right? Yeah, and then we'll we'll close out with with the uh, the last two, I guess. Um, okay. Hopefully that'll time out with Andor coming out. So. Yeah, man. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, then um, I, I just see like I think we just did like twenty minutes of She Hulk, and then we did like more than a half hour of Sandman. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good with that. I want which one we like more. But anyway, uh, let us know what you guys think of Sandman and She Hulk. You know, we love hearing from you guys. Just tell us, do you like? one show better than the other and what do you think of each adaptation but um you know until then if you guys could like and subscribe boy we would really appreciate that as well and then uh brian and i will be here next thursday at 9 15 so we'll see y'all then Boop.